Hey, welcome everyone. I want to welcome all of you at all of our campuses this morning because we are in week three of our series entitled Winning the War in Your Mind. And uh, let me just go ahead and say, if you are not in a small group or if your small group is not engaged in the discussion with us about this series, um, you can get the discussion guides for your own personal growth and your own personal processing at rivertown.cc forward slash messages. And um, as I've said for the past few weeks, if you are with us at one of our churches, and this is the area you really want to grow in and you want to take it deeper after each conversation that we have each week, make sure that you pick up a copy of Craig Groeschel's book, Winning the War in Your Mind. As I've told you for the last three weeks, I don't very often promote any books, but the reality is this is probably one of the best tools for you to experience Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and go through the transformation process of renewing your mind. Absolutely, it's just phenomenal. And so I would encourage you to take that if you want to go to another level with the whole process, because one of the things that we don't understand about our minds is it is where most of the spiritual warfare, the invisible spiritual warfare happens in our lives. So this series is so important. If you missed the first two weeks, I encourage you to go to our website where you can watch or you can listen to the first two talks because they kind of lay the foundation for this whole series. Now, today, to get us started in our third week of this conversation, I'd like you to think for just a moment about the happiest person that you know in this world. Now, I don't mean somebody who's surpy or so sappy that you're just uncomfortable around them, but I want you to think about somebody who is absolutely positive and joy-filled. I want you to think about that person for just a moment. Don't you just sense uh, this little joy that you know, just comes up in your spirit? Don't you just love being around that person when you really start thinking about it? And I'm sure the answer is probably yes. I love being around that person because they're so positive, they're so joy-filled, and I just want to be around that. Now I want you to think for just a moment about the most unhappy person that you know. Think of that negative, grumpy complainer whose response to everything in life is like just pessimistic and negative, and they have a problem for every solution that you give them. I mean, think about them for just a moment. Don't think about them too long or it might put you in a sour mode. And if you're sitting by them, don't look at them because then that's going to put them in a worse mode. But just think about that person for a moment. Do you like being around them? And the answer is most likely no, because they're so negative. So here's the thing. If we love being around positive, joy-filled people, then the big question is, why aren't we that way all the time ourselves? I mean, if we know we love being around people who are positive and joy-filled, then that means other people love being around positive, joy-filled people. So why are we that way all the time in our lives? Why do we find ourselves so often triggered by the circumstances or the people, and we end up in this dark, negative place, and this dark place in our mind that takes us to very negative and unhappy and unwanted outcomes and unwanted desires, especially relationally? Well, for the past two weeks, we've kind of discovered the answer to that is found in this statement, most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. In fact, Solomon, 2,700 years ago, he knew this when he wrote this in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. He says, I want you to be careful. In other words, don't be careless because our tendency is to be careless with how we think. We don't think about the fact that the greatest level of spiritual warfare in our life is truly happening in our mind. He says, so you need to be very careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. And most of us, we go through life blaming something else for running our life. We blame our spouse for running our life, our children for running our life, our parents for running our life, our boss, our fellow employees, our fellow classmates. 
And he says, no, the reality of your thoughts is what runs your life. Now, here's the thing. If something can run your life, it can either make your life good or it can make your life bad. So you could read it this way. Hey, be very careful what you think because your thoughts can ruin your life. And you know what's interesting? That modern science, especially over the past 30 years, has simply confirmed what Solomon said. Like your brain has these neural pathways that are formed by the thoughts that you think. In fact, Craig Rochelle, he says it this way in his book. He says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And for many of us, our strongest thoughts always default to the negative, which is kind of surprising when you really stop and think about that, that all of our spot, our thoughts just kind of default to the negative. Because most of you, if I would have the opportunity to sit down with you at lunch or dinner and have a conversation with you and ask you, what's your life like? For many of you, you'd go, oh, there's some bumps in the road, but my life, I have a fairly good life. I mean, if most of you, you could travel back 10 years or even 20 years, and if you could tell yourself back then, hey, 20 years from now, your life's going to be better. You're going to be better off financially. You're going to be a better spot relationally. I bet most of you would be happy to hear that you would be better off 10, 20 years later than what you were in the past. But you know what? That doesn't keep us from complaining and being negative, does it? And when we really stop and think about it, we're honest with ourselves. We're, we're blessed, aren't we? And we know that we're blessed. But we still find ourselves focused on the negative and focusing more on what we don't have or what we don't like or what isn't right. I mean, we are one of the most complaining group of people that's probably ever lived in America. It's like we're always focused on what we don't have, what we don't like, what's not right, rather than the good in our lives that we really have. And the question is, why is that? Why is it that we tend to focus more on the negative than the positive? Why we tend to grumble more than we express gratitude? Well, the short answer is that our minds are a battlefield. It's this invisible spiritual warfare that the Apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, you, above everything else, he says, finally, my brothers and sisters. He says, I want you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And he says, you need to put on this armor because you're in a battle. And many of you don't even realize that you're in a battle. And because we don't, and to help us make a, be aware of that, today we're going to be looking at a tool that the Apostle Paul developed that can help all of us win the war at our, in our minds at a whole nother level. In fact, the tool that the Apostle Paul de developed, and don't miss this, it's so important. The tool that the Apostle Paul developed was the ability to change his mental filter. The ability to change his mental filter. Most of you did not know that you could change your mental filter. Others of you, maybe if you work on vehicles or something, you know you need to change filters out or things quit working right. Or maybe for all of you, maybe in your home, you understand this would be a better illustration, is you know that every so often you need to change out the filter for your AC system because it starts getting clogged up with all kind of dirt and, and dust. And after a while, your AC system doesn't work right. Well, the reality is, he says, we have mental filters that we need to be aware of, and most of them need to be changed out because they are skewed with lies. 
And so he tells us how he was able to do that by tapping into God's divine power through the truth of God's word. And as I said, if you didn't hear the last two weeks, make sure you go back because we talk about how to tap into God's divine power and then how to get a grasp of the truth of God's word. So he's telling us, here's what the tool that you need. So here's what I want you to understand. And that is this, what is a mental filter? Well, a mental filter is the instinctual way that you see life. It is the instinctual way that you see life. When something happens, a situation, circumstance, relationship with a person goes a certain way, it's what you instinctually go to in your thinking process. And your mental filter is formulated by a couple of influences. One is basically your wiring, that's your personality. So all of us have a personality that creates filters through which we see life. But the other thing that is even the bigger impact on the mental filters that we have in our life, and that is our past experiences. It's that how you were raised, what you've gone through in life, all of your life experiences, the good ones and the bad ones, they all create the mental filter through which we see our life. It creates the grid in which we frame our life. For example, let me give you a couple examples. Unfortunately, some of you, you grew up and you spent a good part of your life around hurtful, abusive, and controlling men. Now, here, here's the truth. All men are not hurtful, abusive, and controlling. Matter of fact, most men are not abusive, hurtful, and controlling. But because of what you experienced through an abusive, controlling man, then you naturally will go, your filter will naturally lead you to instinctively not trust any man that you ever meet. Or let me just say this one. Here's another example. Let's say you grew up in a home and your parents sent you the message that you would never be successful. They were like, you were never enough, you never measured up, you just always were just right below what they, you felt like you needed to be for them to approve of you, to accept you the way you wanted to. So you've grown up going, I'll never be successful. And then you grew up and you did well for yourself and to the point that you started succeeding even beyond what you imagined, especially beyond what your parents thought would happen. And now you feel like an imposer in life who doesn't deserve the success that you experience because of the filter that you have because of the way you grew up with what your parents told you. Or, or let's just say that you were raised up around people who were racist. And now you find it's very easy for you to have a filter when you're around a certain kind of people or you interact with a certain race of people to go a certain way with your thinking process. Those are some examples of how our filters affect how we see life. Now, here's what makes mental filters so dangerous. We're not even aware that we have them because we have had them entrenched in our minds since the day that we were born. And as the Apostle Paul said in our first week, we talked about they have become strongholds in our mind. And we don't even know that they are there. And we have defended those lies and we've defended them until now they're so entrenched. We've thought those thoughts so long for now that our brains just naturally go down those neural pathways, literally, literally those ruts in our minds over and over again whenever we're in a similar situation or circumstance. And so without realizing what we're doing is every time we go through that thought process, we're pre-wiring our brains to filter or interpret things a certain kind of way. And here's the thing, whatever your filter is, whatever, however you ever interpret through that filter, through that grid, however you frame it, we're certain that we're right. We're certain that is the only way to see it. 
We're certain that's the only way to interpret the situation, even though our filter may be skewed with lies. Now, here's the thing. You don't need me to tell you how dangerous that is to have those kind of filters that are skewed with lies through which you see the world and the grid in which you do life. But I'm telling you, not being aware that we have mental filters in our mind, they can be very dangerous and they can sabotage us and we won't even realize it. We will blame everything else around us and everyone else around us. And greater than that, you need to understand this. Filters change how things feel. And you know that. Because see, you can change the feel of a photo by the filter you apply, right? And you can change the feel of a situation by the filter that you apply in life as well. This is why two people respond exactly opposite to the same situation. It's why in the last two years in our country, as we've navigated this pandemic and all the racial injustice and all the political chaos and turmoil and those kind of things, people will look at the same exact situation and they will arrive at completely different conclusions. The facts of the situation were not different, but the filters that they used to interpret those facts were different. So don't miss this. Not only do filters change how you feel, but your filters determine the emotions that you feel. So your filter determines how something feels in your life, but your filters determine the emotions that you feel. We think that our emotions are determined by the people or the circumstances around us. The reality is no. Your filters determine your emotions. They determine how you feel. As I said, it's why two different people can work with the same person. One person absolutely loves that person and adores them. The other person can't stand them to the point of almost hating them. What is the difference? Same person they're working with, the difference is two different mental filters. It's why two different people can have or hear the same statement from a boss or supervisor. The one person gets offended, they get their feelings hurt, now they're angry, now they're just shutting down, and the other person goes, wow, that was one of the most helpful things I ever experienced in my life. It hurt a little bit, but it was so helpful. What's the difference? Same boss, same supervisor, two different mental filters. It's why two people, two siblings, can grow up in the same house. One child hates their parent or parents, despises them to their core. The other child absolutely loves and adores and honors their parents. And you go, what's the difference? Same parents, children grew up in the same house. What's the difference? Two different mental filters. Don't miss this. Your filters determine the emotions that you feel, not the circumstances, not the situation, not the other people. See, we blame other people for why I'm mad, why I'm upset, why I'm angry, for why I'm wigged out, why I'm whacked out in life. If that person wasn't like that, if that person wasn't like that, and what we're going to see, the Apostle Paul goes, no, 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 no. Your filters determine your emotions, not the circumstance, not the situation, not the people. And in reality, when you begin to understand this, you can never blame another person for why you're reacting the way you're reacting in life. You can never blame another situation for the emotions you feel. So what the Apostle Paul discovered, and I'm going to show you an example of this in just a second, is you get to choose how you frame and you filter every situation and every relationship that you face in life. And you can either frame it accurately by having a filter of truth 
or you can frame it inaccurately by having a filter that is skewed with lies. And he had to learn this. And the reason the Apostle Paul had to learn this is because he faced the same pressures, he faced the same problems, he faced the same ups and downs, the same people issues. In fact, some of his people issues, as we're gonna see, were worse than our people issues. And here's the thing, it didn't take him long to realize the frame and the filter that he chose would make all the difference in whether he had lived a positive, joy-filled life or a negative, complaining, grumbling kind of life, victimized kind of life. So let me just show you what I mean. Let me give you a little backstory to help set this up. The Apostle Paul, he had this dream to visit the city of Rome. And he wanted to start churches there because he's thinking, if we can start churches there, Oh, it's going to be amazing what will happen with the gospel message. So going to Rome was way up on his bucket list. In fact, Rome was really the epicenter of the whole world. So he's thinking, well, if I can just get to Rome, if I can preach the gospel, if we can start some churches there, we can impact so many more lives and spread the message of Jesus so much faster. So he was very passionate about going to Rome. But every time the apostle Paul planned to go to Rome, something would happen that would derail his plan. It was so frustrating to him that he couldn't go to Rome. But eventually, over a period of time, the Apostle Paul, he ends up in Rome. The problem is, he didn't end up in Rome as a preacher. No, he ended up in Rome as a prisoner who had been arrested for spreading the message of Jesus by sharing the gospel of Jesus. Now, got to think about his situation. He wanted to be in Rome. He's not there as a preacher. He's there as a prisoner. So now he's in this city that he dreamed of getting to be in, but he's locked up on house arrest with different Roman guards who are guarding him 24-7. So basically every eight hours, you got a new guard coming in. Well, he writes back to some Christ followers at Philippi about his experience that has happened to him being imprisoned in Rome. And I want you to notice how the Apostle Paul frames this, which then determines his filter, and it absolutely will surprise you, and I pray that it'll become a pattern and a path that you will use with the help of God's Holy Spirit in your life as well. Notice what he says, Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. I want you to notice this line, that what has happened to me. And when the Apostle Paul says that, what has happened to me, he's referring to his imprisonment in Rome. It is not what he'd expected. It is not what he wanted when he got to Rome, but it was his what has happened to me in this situation kind of moment. And here's the reality. Every one of us at all of our churches, we've all had a what has happened to me kind of moment, haven't we? In fact, many, many of you right now, you are experiencing a what has happened to you right now. And you're going, what has happened? Why did this happen this way? And, and you don't know why. You're, you're just like totally confused. Now, here's the thing. The Apostle Paul, he could have made, end up, made ending up in prison for no wrongdoing. He could have made that his filter. And he could have took on a grumbling, a complaining spirit. He could have taken on a victim mentality. Why did God let this happen to me? Why are these people protecting me more? Why are there more Christ followers coming around me? No, he didn't do that, though. He says, no, no, no. What has happened to me, notice what he says, has actually served to advance the gospel. 
This is such a different frame or filter than what most of us use for difficult circumstances in life, isn't it? So instead of looking at the negatives, he, he decided, I'm not going to look at the negatives. I'm going to filter this experience through the positive that is coming through it. It, is, it has actually, something actually good is coming out of this. And what has happened to me, this being put in prison for preaching the gospel, it's not good. Don't like it. Not what I wanted. Not what I expected. But he's going, something good is starting to come from it. It spread the message of Jesus, maybe even more than if I'd come to Rome just to meet with the Christ followers and to start developing churches and try to share the gospel that way. And some of you are reading this going, how? How is that true? Well, look at what he says in verse 13. He says, as a result, as a result of being put in prison, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard that I am in chains for Christ. Literally, I'm not in chains for anything I did wrong. He says, no, they are now aware that I'm in chains for Christ. And that's pretty amazing when you think about it, because the result is that the Apostle Paul's prison experience has become his platform to advance the gospel. So he basically says, you know, I'm chained up 24-7 to prison guards. In about every eight hours or so, they rotate another palace employee here to guard me, so I'm getting to share about Jesus with some of the most influential people in the city of Rome who have influence with the most influential people. So he's reframing this through a filter that now has a positive bias. But just wait, he's not done. Notice what happens in verse 14. And he says, and because of my chains, literally being in prison, most of the brothers and sisters, referring to those that are in Rome, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So not only has the apostle Paul impacted the whole palace guard, but the Christ followers in Rome because of the Apostle Paul being bold in his sharing about Jesus and because he just has used this as as a positive thing instead of a negative thing, they are becoming bolder in sharing about Jesus throughout the city because the Apostle Paul is there. Notice, it hasn't made them more fearful. He says, they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Literally saying, they've watched me thrive under house arrest and it has inspired them. It's gave them courage. And you know what? Courage and positivity is very courageous, especially for the gospel. Sometimes we wonder why the gospel is not more contagious. I can tell you the gospel is never contagious when it's attached to a negative, grumbly, complaining, pessimistic person. And Apostle Paul is going, listen, this is what can happen to the gospel even in difficult circumstances. Now, you got to understand, some of you might go, well, yeah, Some people just have a positive outlook on life, and he's just sticking his head in the sand. No, 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 no. He's not sticking his head in the sand and ignoring the problem. Matter of fact, he's fully aware of the issue that he's facing. He's fully aware that this imprisonment could lead to a trial that could lead to his execution. He's very clear about that. In fact, he he even mentions some other issues that he's facing because of this. In fact, he writes about them in verse 15. Notice, he says, it is true that some people preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. But then he continues. The former rivalry and envy says the former people preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, 
supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am here in chains. So you talk about kicking a man while he's down, that's what's going on here. There are people who are literally out there preaching Christ for the wrong motivation. They're they're doing it because they want to cause more trouble for the Apostle Paul. They want to elevate themselves above him. And here's the thing, that could have given the Apostle Paul plenty of reason. I mean, think about this. This guy who has given up so much stuff to share the gospel message, he's risked his life over and over again. I mean, if you read the story of his life, you understand that he was shipwrecked like three times. He says that he was stoned, uh, several, not that kind of stone, but like, you know, like with real rocks. So that's really bad. To the point almost of death. So you got a guy who has risked his life to share the gospel, and then you got Christ followers. You got church people who are out trying to cause more trouble for him. I mean, this this would have been plenty of reason for him to get negative and start complaining and start griping and doing what so many people who call them Christ followers in the 21st century just go, I'm done with church. I'm done with church people. Because look what they're doing to me. My life's on the line, and now you got church people that are trying to cause trouble for me. I'm done with the church, but that's not what he did. And why didn't he do that? Because it's not the facts, but the frame and the filter that determines how a person responds. Let me say that one more time. It's not the facts. It's not the situation. It's not the circumstance. It's not the people involved. It is the frame and the filter that determines how you respond to every situation, every circumstance, and every person that you're involved with. So look at the frame and the filter that the Apostle Paul used in verse 18. Notice what he says. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motive or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. In fact, we sang about that this morning. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. He says, and yes, I will continue to rejoice. So I want you to understand something about this frame, this filter that the Apostle Paul uses. When the Apostle Paul makes this statement, but what does it matter? This isn't a I don't care or whatever kind of attitude. No, no. This what does it matter is just the opposite of an I don't care kind of attitude. It is I care so much about what matters the most, the important thing. I care about God, I care about people, I care about eternity, and I care about Christ being preached. He says, I'm going to rejoice even when I'm in negative circumstances because of the positive impact that it can have because Christ is still being preached. So he says, because of that, I rejoice. And yes, I'm making a choice to filter it through that kind of framework. In fact, if you continue reading The Apostle Paul, he goes on to list some other positives that are happening out of his imprisonment and his rest and arrest. And I would encourage you to pick up in Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, and continue to reading on. But here's what I don't want you to miss from this experience of the Apostle Paul. The difference in the Apostle Paul experiencing this imprisonment, having the church people turn on him, having his life on the line. The difference in his outlook and most of our outlooks when life is not looking or going in the direction we want it to, it was not what was happening to to him. It was how he framed and how he filtered what he was facing in this life. And the same is true for you and the same is true for me. So here's the thing. 
If you're one of our churches today and you tend to be this negative person, you always find yourself complaining a lot, you're grumbling a lot, you always see yourself as a victim, it's not because of your circumstances, it's not because of the people that you have to deal with, that they're worse than everything else, or everybody else, the people that other people have to deal with, or the circumstances other people have to deal with, no, no, no. It's because you have chosen to place a negative filter or frame through which you're going to see your circumstance or the people you're dealing with. So you might want to write this down. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you filter or frame it. But don't miss that. You, you can't control what happens to you this afternoon, tomorrow, the next day. You can't control that. You don't have a lot of control of what happens in your life, but you can control how you filter or frame it. You can control because you can choose with God's divine power and through the truth of God's word, how you interpret it and how you respond to it. And just like the Apostle Paul, you can find the positive in everything if you use a filter of truth. And the Apostle Paul, he used a filter of truth, and that is why the Apostle Paul was able to write what he wrote in Romans 8, 28, a verse that many of you memorized or many of you have heard. In fact, let's put it on the screen because here's what he said. And we know, I mean, he, this is his filter. This is, he's so confident. He says, if there's anything I know, this is what I know. And we know that in all Things. In fact, at all of our churches, I'm going to read these first few words. And when we get here, I want you to declare with passion and declaration the truth of how many things God is working in. Here we go. And we know that in all things. Let's do it one more time because some of you didn't catch it. Let's do it one more time. And we know that in all things. Not a few things, not a couple of things, but this was the Apostle Paul's filter. He said, we know this. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Now, one thing you gotta understand, the Apostle Paul does not say in this statement that all things that happen are gonna be good. That's obvious, even from his situation. It wasn't good. He didn't want to go to prison. He wanted to go to Rome as a preacher. Nor does it say everything's going to work out the way that you want it to and that you're always going to have this happy ending here on this earth. That's not going to happen. He doesn't even promise that. What it does say is that God promises to be at work for the good, to bring good out of every single thing that happens in the life of every person who what? Who loves him and who is fulfilling God's purpose for their life. So here's the thing. We get to choose in every situation and in every relationship whether we choose to frame it through the filter of this truth, Romans 8, 28. And I'm telling you, this is a great filter for all of you to use. It's a filter of truth. The Apostle Paul did this, and it's why he was able to be positive and joy-filled and celebrate the work of God in every situation, including sitting in prison with the possibility of a trial and an execution to follow, and with church people attacking him and trying to make him look bad. So the question is, how do you get this to become your filter? 
How, how do you start doing life so that this is your filter through which you are interpreting every situation, every circumstance, every relationship that you're in that is difficult? Well, let me just give you some practical ways to start practicing, framing, and filtering things that happen in a truth positive kind of way, a truth that's built on God's word kind of way. Let me give you several. Here's the first one. I'll give you three, in fact. First of all, thank God for what didn't happen. But let me give you a couple of examples. Maybe at work this past year, you missed your target goal at work and it cost you the bonus or the level of bonus that you were hoping to have. Well, you got to stop and think about it. Well, and we know, and we know, what do we know? that God is at work. God is at work, okay? God's at work for your good, so I can thank God for that. And here, here's the thing, you can thank God that over the last year, you didn't lose your job, and, and maybe you got a little bit of bonus, or maybe you got no bonus, but you, you had a tough year, but you still got a job this year, and you've got another year to kind of work toward that new goal. Say, okay, this then becomes my goal. I'm gonna make that bonus this year. Didn't make it last year, because God is still at work. I still have my job. Or maybe you have a health issue and it led to some very difficult treatments. But you can still thank God that that health issue didn't go undetected and take your life because it went undetected. Now, I'm not saying acting like nothing bad is happening. That's not what the Apostle Paul is telling us. But what he is showing us that it is very helpful for us to change our filter and put in a truth filter, say that God is working even in difficult and bad situations for the good of those who love him. So first of all, thank God for what didn't happen. Here's another way to practice Romans 8, 28, and that is this. Decide in advance to frame it positively. And you go, well, how do I do that? Because I know that in all things, God is working together for good. So instead of focusing on how much you hate going to that family event that your spouse is dragging you to, you, you can just focus on how grateful you are for the opportunity to spend time with the family. Or instead of focusing when you wake up in the morning, oh, this is gonna be a hard day. It's gonna be so challenging. I got some hard things to do. You can be grateful for the challenge and maybe even be grateful for the people that you get to face it with. Maybe, maybe tell yourself this, hey, this is gonna be fun because whenever I lean into God's divine power, whenever I lean into God's truth, challenges grow me and they make me a better person. So I decide in advance that I'm going to frame it positively. And here's why this is so important. See, you can't think positive and negative at the same time. You can't express gratitude and grumble at the same time. It is mentally, physically, and spiritually impossible. So you have to choose which way you're going to think. How you're going to frame and how you're going to filter each situation is a choice. But here's the thing. You get to make the choice. And in doing so, you're determining how each situation and each encounter with every person is going to feel, and then you're also determining the emotions you're going to have. Now, let me give you one more suggestion, another way to frame this through Romans 8, 28, and that is this. Look for God's goodness. Look for God's goodness, because I can promise you, you will always find what you're looking for. If you're looking for rejection, you're gonna find rejection. 
If you're looking for someone to fail you, you're going to discover somebody is going to fail you. But if you're looking for something positive, you'll find something positive. And if you're looking for God's hands and things, you will see God's hand. In fact, as the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, 28, God is at work in every situation in your life, even the most difficult situation. He works all things together for good in the lives of those who love him and those who are pursuing his purpose for their life. So look for the goodness that will come out of the grief. Look for the goodness that will come out of the pain, the purpose out of the pain. Uh, I'll never forget um, a situation where Melody and I, my wife Melody and I, we, we faced something like this, and especially Melody, and she kind of taught me part of this lesson here to look for God's goodness. Her mother passed away, and it was our first of our parents that had passed away, and so that was really hard. That was difficult. It was new for us, and I still kind of get emotional talking about that, and that's been some years ago. And um, if there was ever grief from loss, Melody felt deep, deep grief because the relationship between her mother and Melody was like none I've ever seen between a parent and a child. I mean, they did life together and they were best friends and her mom was just this amazing mentor and amazing lady of God. And she basically would say, you know, if you looked at her life, she was one of these women to say, just follow me as I follow Christ and you'll be an amazing Proverbs 31 godly woman. And my wife did that. In fact, this morning, um, I was noticing we have this kind of coffee station in our home, and um, Melody's picture, Melody has a picture of her mom sitting there. And I was like, wow, she taught us so much. But it was like, in that grief, I watched Melody just go really dark for a period of time. But then all of a sudden, it was like, it changed. It went from this dark kind of grief to this joy-filled kind of grief. And I asked her about it, and she said, you know, I chose to embrace this grief, this bad part, and I realized from the promise of God that if I walked into the darkness of grieving my mom's loss, that I would experience the goodness and the grace of God. And she said, so as I started walking into the darkness, the light of God's grace and his goodness just became, started shining through the darkness. I had to think about that as I was thinking about this talk today. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. The Apostle Paul is promising that all things work together for good to those who love God. And no matter what you're grieving, what pain you're going through, if you'll step into the darkness of that grief, if you'll step into the pain on the other side of that grief, or as you step into that grief, you'll find the goodness of God, which will shine his grace in. And then you'll find purpose in that pain. And here's why you can do that, because you have the divine power that will give you the power to choose what you think about and how you frame it and how you focus on it. And the reality is, I want all of you to hear this at all of our churches, Jesus wants to help you focus on filtering and framing your thoughts in a way that leads to a fulfilling life. That's why he says, I've come to give you life and give you life more abundant. So you don't have to let the negative things dominate your life. You don't have to live with a filter that always sees the worst or expects the worst or is always expecting that catastrophic thing to turn on you or happen to you. See, Jesus offers to transform you by, as Apostle Paul said in Romans 12 too, the renewing of your mind to have his frame and his filter for your life. In fact, some of you say, how do I get that? Where there's a word for that and the half-brother of Jesus 
James gives us that word in James chapter one. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, here's what he says. He says, let him ask of God. So here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is seeing life through God's frame and God's filter. It's seeing life from God's point of view, and he promises to provide you with his wisdom. He goes on to say, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it generously and does not give it with a grudge. He, he just wants to lavish it on you. So here, here's my question. Do some of you need to reject or demolish or destroy those strongholds that have become the filters in your life through which you see everything, how you frame and you filter every situation in your life and it's ruining your life? Do, do you need to replace some of the frames with God's point of view, with God's truth for your life? See, the Apostle Paul's point is, we can choose to interpret the circumstances through the goodness of God. All we have to do is we have to pull out that dirty, skewed filter that's filled with lies and put in the filter of the truth of God's word. See, that's what happens when you do it. The Apostle Paul says, what has actually happened or what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And here's the thing, that can be true for every one of you at all of our churches. So don't be passive and accept your instinctual mental filters and frames because I'm telling you, they're pretty much filled up, clogged up with lies. You need to replace them with the truth of God's word because as we said, your filters determine the emotions that you feel, not your circumstances, not your situation, not the people that you're dealing with. It is your filters that determine those emotions. So let God do his work in you to transform how you think and how you choose to frame and filter your life and your life situation. So today, I just wanna challenge every one of you, all of our churches, man, lean into God's divine power and begin to thank God for number one, what didn't happen, decide in advance, hey, I'm gonna frame it positively because I know that God is working all things together for good and then look for God's goodness because he promises that. And by the way, if you're reading this book, go read chapter seven through nine, do the exercises, and then we will be ready for next week's conversation. Hey, thank you so much for being with us today. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. I ask that your Holy Spirit will just come now and speak into each one of us and show us through the truth of your word the filters that are filled with lies that we need to remove and replace and put new filters in with truth from your word so that as we in, in, in encounter these difficult situations that we're gonna encounter this week, as we interact with even difficult and um, people who just really are hard to get along with, that we don't get all emotionally just wigged out and whacked out because we have a truth filter and we can say, God, we know, we know that in all things, you are working for the good of me because I love you, you love me and I'm trying to fulfill your purpose in my life. And God, I thank you, that's true for all of us. So help us to the divine power of your Holy Spirit to lean in and live this out and I thank you that you're gonna help us to win the spiritual warfare that goes in on our minds. Thank you that through Christ, we are more than conquerors because of your truth, your truth, it makes us free. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks, amen. Hey, you guys, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.